0: Good morning. Thank you so much uh, for coming to worship Jesus today. Um, it's a blessing for me to be here. My name is Bobby Higginbotham, um, I'm the pastor of a brand new tiny church um, in Tacoma, Washington. And I tell you what, it is a joy to get to be in a room um, where I can actually um, feel the presence of God, um, where we can sing the praises of God, where I can sit back and not sing and hear God's people sing. Um, it's just an encouragement uh, to me as we're slowly seeing God plant this church in Tacoma. Um, you know, it's, it's you miss times like this where you can gather with a lot of people um, who worship the Father. So thanks for having me here. I don't know um, your pastors very well Pastor scott, but um, i 've gotten to encounter him in a couple different settings recently, and let me tell you what i 'm um, sure you guys know this better than I do, but he is a man that is broken by the gospel, and he is broken to see the gospel infiltrate Redmond in a way that you guys haven 't seen yet um, and I would encourage you if you haven 't jumped on board with his heart um, surrender to that, not to him, but to the heart that Jesus has given him for the gospel, because it's been an encouragement and a challenge to me. Um, over the last couple years of my life, as my wife and I have been kind of walking a journey with God, um, and helping to start new churches, there's been a particular passage of scripture in Ephesians three, uh, verse 20 that you guys are probably familiar with that we've clung to. And it says, um, it's talking about God, the father, it says to him, um, who is able to do immeasurably, more than all we could ask or imagine to him be the glory in Christ Jesus, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So what I want to ask you to do is something dangerous to ask a congregation to do on Sunday morning, but I want you to get comfortable for a second. Um, Get in a place where you can imagine God doing enormous things things, things beyond anything you've ever seen God do. If you need to close your eyes for a second, um, I I just want you to get yourself in a place where you can, um, take away all the things that the world has taught you as possible. Okay. Because we're all limited by what we think is possible. Um, and realize that we serve a God that can do the impossible. Um, so get comfortable, not too comfortable where you fall asleep, but get comfortable. Um, and let me just read, um, some things to you out of the book of Acts acts chapter two verse forty one says those, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls acts two forty seven and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved acts four four but many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about five thousand. Acts five fourteen. And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts six, seven. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts nine thirty one. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. And was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. Guys, all of these passages and more are about the church in the first century that birthed out of a movement of God that every single one of us have been kind of conditioned by our world to think is impossible. But what is impossible with men is made possible by God. And what I want to challenge you to think about is that if there was a story being written About the 21st century church, if there was a story being written about the church in Washington state, if there was a story being written about the church in Redmond, Washington, about Meadowbrook Church, would similar statements be able to be written? With similar statements to what we just read, that about 3,000 souls were added, that they continued to increase and were multiplied. That when the word of God was shared and spoken, that the believers multiplied and day by day people were being saved. Would those words be written about the church in Redmond? Ask yourself that question, and that's what we're going to dig in today. Let me pray. Father God, um, we just ask that you would anoint this time. There's absolutely no reason for anyone in this room to listen to what I have to say, and I just praise Jesus for that because you are going to speak to hearts today. Father, through your word, you can bring truth from somebody as um, unknown and insignificant as me, and I just pray that you would melt hearts this morning, people who thought that they were just going to do the Sunday morning thing and come and get in the hour and a half routine and sing the songs and hear the message and then walk out the door. I pray that you would just stop us all in our tracks and humble us and get us ready to encounter a God that is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Father, speak to our hearts today. Make your word clear today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, um, today we're going to talk about what it means to scatter by faith on mission. If you want to start flipping in your Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. We're not going to be there quite yet, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. And the big question that we're going to try to answer today, um, the one that you need to write down or just stick in your mental um, notepad, the big question that we're going to ask today is how can we see the same type of movement of God today that we read about in the book of Acts? Let me tell you, it was the faithfulness of the believers in the first century, their faithfulness and their obedience to the mission that we're going to talk about today is why you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, is why you know Jesus today. If they would not have been faithful to scatter by faith on the mission that God had given them, then you would not know Jesus today. You would not be sitting here as a part of the church of Jesus Christ and you have the responsibility and I have the responsibility to continue that mission. That's what we're going to talk about. So how can we see this same type of mission, um, this same type of movement of God? And the answer is, like I said, we have to scatter by faith on mission. Um, a foundational question that we have to ask is what is the mission? What is your individual purpose in life? Ask yourself that if I came around and put you on the spot, which I, I won't do, but if I came around and put you on the spot and held the microphone up to your mouth and said, what is your purpose? What is your purpose in life? Would you be able to articulate it to me in one sentence? Would you be able to say, you know what? My purpose in life is this. And I know this because um, I had an p- opportunity back when I lived in Gertie, Oklahoma, which is as small and hillbilly as it sounds. Um, I had a, a, an opportunity to be a part of a church that was actually about 40 minutes away from where I lived. It was the closest town of, of any size. And I got to be a part of something called Skate Church. It was a church that was actually started amidst a people group of skate skaters, skateboarders. Um, And we saw God do amazing things and bring salvation in amazing ways. And I just got to kind of stumble in and be a part of it. But while I was there, I had the opportunity to kind of share in a setting like this. And we were talking about purpose. We were talking about purpose in life. And I asked um, all the people that were there, mostly teenagers, some young adults, things like that, um, got to ask them, do you raise your hand? You don't have to share it, but just raise your hand if you think you know what your purpose in life is. Um, And I, I kid you not, out of probably 75 to 100 people. That were there, um, maybe two raised their hand that said they had any clue or any idea at all about what their purpose in life um, is. And that's a sad. Thing Um, And I would venture to guess, based on asking the same question in similar situations since then, that if I were to ask it today, that we would have a similar response if it was an honest response, Um, that you have never or very seldom thought about what your purpose is. And so what I want to start with to lay the foundation of how we can scatter as a church by faith on mission um, is I want to to delve into our purpose. And I've got something that some of you may argue back on if if you were brave enough to argue back in this setting, Um, but. I really believe it with all my heart. I believe that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that we all as followers of Jesus Christ have the same exact purpose. We have the same exact mission. It does not vary. It does not change. We have the same mission. Acts chapter one, verse eight. You don't even have to turn there. It's a pretty familiar passage. It's when Jesus, after he had died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine, he had rose and conquered death um, and he was gathering with his followers right before he was going to ascend, go back up to be in heaven with the Father, and he gave a challenge. He gave a purpose statement to his followers. He said, "You, and this is just like he's talking to you and me today, he said, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's what you can't miss. You will then be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem where they were, then in Judea, their region, then in Samaria, the next region, and then to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. You cannot be on this mission without a relationship with Jesus Christ because when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit floods on you, comes upon you as your um as your guarantee of salvation, as your empower, as your comforter, as your guide. But when you receive that power, guys, Then you are set on a mission. And that mission is what is to be witnesses to the resurrection power, to the saving power of Jesus Christ, the one true God. That is your mission. Do you know that? Do you recognize that? Do you accept that? And do you live that? Guys, because some of us can quote the passages, myself included. Some of us can quote the scripture, can talk the talk. But are you walking the walk? Are you being a witness daily? Hourly to the resurrection power, the life changing power that can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's the difference, right? There are so many religions out there right now, there are so many justice organizations that are doing amazingly good things that lead to an amazingly unfruitful, dead, separated from God result. And we have the one key in Jesus Christ that we are called to be witnesses of that will lead people to abundant life, abundant and eternal life. Are you doing that? Now, here's the kicker. Even though I believe that we all have the same purposes, because I believe Jesus um, and, and that's what he said our purpose is, I do believe that we all carry those purposes out in unique ways. Do you know? Number one, do you acknowledge and recognize your purpose? And do you know how God has uniquely gifted and called you? Where has God placed you in life to carry that out? I'll give you a couple examples. Um, I read a book uh, called Irresistible Revolution. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's called Irresistible Revolution. It'll step on your toes. It'll kind of make you mad, but it's written by a guy named Shane Claiborne. And God has uniquely called him to live out his calling as a witness in life in Philadelphia, um, to live on the streets, to devoid of all material possessions for the sake of proclaiming to the gospel, to people that have nothing. God opens doors for him by his sacrifice of material things, um, so that he can share the gospel with people who would otherwise not give him a platform to hear it. Um, I was actually looking, I was preparing for something else. Have anybody heard of the, um, website? Iamsecond.com? I am I challenge you to check it out. It's kind of cool. It's called. IamSecond.com, And you go there and you see all these famous people, all these athletes that, have chosen to vocally articulate the fact that they are second in life, that that Jesus Christ is number one. And I was watching some of these videos, um, and if any of you guys are sports fans, I'm from the South, so I have a tendency towards the Big 12, but um, Colt McCoy, former quarterback of the University of Texas, Sam Bradford, um, former rival quarterback of OU, both in the NFL now, have a video together on there proclaiming the fact that they are second, that everything that they do as football players. Everything that they do in the world um, is for the purpose of being a witness to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And that is completely different than what Shane Claiborne is doing and how he is being a witness to Jesus Christ in Philadelphia. These two guys make millions of dollars and have a platform that Shane Claiborne doesn't have. Shane Claiborne makes not many dollars and has a platform that Colt McCoy and Sam Bradford will never have. You are uniquely placed in this life to be a witness to the power of Jesus Christ and you have to recognize that has God placed you in a classroom has God placed you in the military has God placed you as a student has God where has God placed you to fulfill the purpose to be a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ ask yourself that question if you don't know that answer hopefully we 'll figure it out a little today but you need to dig deep into your personal relationship with christ i can 't tell you where you you're uniquely called to be a witness to Jesus. I know it starts here uh, in Redmond, but where has God called you on a daily basis? Let's, uh, let's take a look at Acts chapter eight, verse one through six and see what we can learn from the first century church about fulfilling our mission and seeing a great movement of God. Acts chapter eight, verse one through six. Let me, uh, let me set the scene really quick. Basically, we started to see the movement of God. The gospel is starting to be proclaimed. People are starting to be witnesses. And basically at the end of chapter seven, we see Stephen die for his faith. The first recorded other than Jesus, the first recorded martyr for the Christian faith, the first person to proclaim the gospel and be willing to die for it and actually be put to death for it. And we see at the very end, um, of chapter seven, the, Paul, who became one of the greatest missionaries of all time, wrote the majority of the New Testament. We see that Paul, known then as Saul, was sitting there watching Stephen being put to death for his faith, giving approval to that. My, how things change with the power of the gospel. Let's read chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. It says, and Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. So, number one, if you're taking notes and just the first thing that we want to get across is living on mission for Jesus. Same in the first century as it is today. Living on mission for Jesus guarantees suffering, guarantees suffering. Do you believe that? Many churches, good, growing, thriving by the measures of the world, churches today will preach from the stage, the pulpit, whatever they have will preach that you do not have to suffer for the gospel, that you can live a life in this world of comfort, of security, of prosperity, of wealth by following Jesus, that your burdens in this life will go away. That's not what the Bible preaches. Have you read the Sermon on the Mount at the very end of the Beatitudes, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapter five, verses 11 and 12? Jesus, Jesus, right? God died, rose, big guy to listen to. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you, and when people say all sorts of evil, about you because of me, for great is your reward in heaven. And he points back to the prophets who came before him that this is what has happened in the past for people who stood up for God. They were persecuted, they suffered. This is what will happen now, and this is what will happen into the 21st century and beyond. You will suffer if you are a follower of Jesus. You will suffer. Are you suffering? For Jesus, Are you putting yourself in a position where you are ready to suffer? Now, there is a difference. You don't need to go out there and be a woe is me person, right? Look at how I'm suffering. But are you living the gospel in such a radically obedient way that you will not be able to help but have persecution come upon you? That you will not be able to stop insults from coming upon you? Yet you push through as a witness For the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that you are the witness? And if you are being that witness boldly, loudly, humbly, lovingly, but proclaiming it with a loud voice in your unique setting, you will suffer. You might not suffer every single day, but you will suffer Guys, you will suffer for the sake of the gospel. Read the Bible. Just, just pick a spot in the New Testament. First Peter, James. It's all about how to persevere in the midst of trial. James 7, 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For you know that your suffering will per- produce in you perseverance. Just read. If you are not suffering, then you are not being the witness that God has called you to be. And I turn that right back on myself. If you are not suffering, you are not witnessing. Are you living on that mission in such a way that you will suffer for Jesus? Number two, when the church is persecuted, it will scatter when the church is persecuted, it will scatter. Let's look back at um, Acts chapter eight. We'll just read straight through one through three again. It says, um, "And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Guys, um, when you are living as the witness that God has called us all to be, um, you will scatter as a church. I'm talking to you, Meadowbrook. As a church, um, you will scatter either by force or or by choice. Okay. Now in America, we don't often have to scatter by force. We can gather in our schools and our rented halls in our, whatever the heck this place is, an office building in our church building. We can gather comfortably, right? We can do it. We can gather freedom, freedom of religion, right? We can gather. We don't have to proclaim it to anybody. We definitely shouldn't force it on anybody, but we can just gather and we can be quote unquote Christian, right? And pat ourselves on the back and smile for proclaiming the gospel from this pulpit. Um, And we can feel good about that without ever being forced to scatter because of persecution, right? Um, Because to be honest, this time right here, although we would love people who don't follow Jesus, and I'm sure there are people that don't follow Jesus in this room, we would love that. But for the most part, this is a time to edify and build up the church. This is a time for you guys and me to be challenged and be sent out because people don't give a flip about Jesus. They're not here on a Sunday morning, right? They're out there in your unique mission field where you are called to be. So if if we're not scattered by force, as the church that we saw um, in Acts chapter 8, right? Paul and others were ravaging the church. They were actually entering houses and taking people by force and dragging Christians out. And the church was forced to separate. The church was forced to scatter. That's how Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was fulfilled, is that because of that forced scattering, they took the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea. And then into Samaria at the end of that part, that it was by force. Guys, we are not the church we are called to be, a lot in part because we are not forced to scatter. We in America are not enduring the persecution and the suffering that people in other parts of the world are enduring. Is that your fault? We could debate over that all day. Is that my fault? Is it because we're not living radically enough? We could debate that all day long, but the reality is for the most part right now in our country, we are not being forced to scatter, but we have to make the choice to scatter, right? We have to make the choice to scatter. Let me give you an illustration. Um, we have a church, there's a church that has sent us um, a, a team member on our leadership team of our church in Tacoma. It's called the Austin Stone in Austin, Texas. And they are a church that's not doing everything perfect. Um, they make mistakes too, but they are choosing to scatter as a church by choice. Um, they are sending people as a part of their congregation to different parts of Austin to start churches. Imagine that. What if you sent, what if you start, a separate church in Redmond just so that you could more effectively reach Redmond with the gospel. Um, they are sending people across the country, across the world. They sent uh, a girl named Rebecca to help us start a church in Tacoma, Washington from Austin. My brother and sister-in-law go to that church and they're actually about to move to Egypt um, with, a, with the purpose of actually learning Arabic and getting into a closed country in that region of the world. I was listening to a podcast from this church the other day and the pastor was talking about a couple, a young couple, in their 20s that they were sending to a country that he could not even name over the airways. And he said that the statistics of Christian survival in that country are so low that that couple will probably not come back. It's not that they could not come back. It's not that they're risking their lives because it's a dangerous place. Statistically, the majority of missionaries in that country do not come back. Can you imagine if that was you? Can you imagine if that was your son or your daughter so passionate about their calling to be a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? So committed to that witness that they're willing to suffer and die and leave home and family and comfort that they will go to a place where they probably will not come back. Are you scattering? Right. Are you scattering as a church or are you just gathering? Are you just gathering and staying afloat? Are you scattering as a church by choice or by force? I promise if you start to scatter by choice, um, you will eventually start to feel the persecution and you will end up scattering by force. Are you scattering? Number three, a scattered and suffering church will only continue to be effective on mission by preaching the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to have to be careful because this is the one that gets me fired up. Um, Let's read it four through five. It says, now those in verses four through five, it says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Okay, hear me. And I, I don't mean this to sound judgmental. I'm just asking. You know your heart. But when you do when you live as a witness when you start to what we would call share your faith witness evangelize do you boldly proclaim the name of jesus as the exclusive way to hope and life or you just proclaim faith or do you just even proclaim god OK, here's here's why I say that, because proclaiming faith is good. The Bible talks about faith, proclaiming God. I mean, God is our God is hero Israel. Our God is one. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Yes, absolutely. But there are so many people out there proclaiming God and saying that it's OK to worship God and saying that they approve of the existence and believe in God, that they are missing the exclusivity, that the only way to know God is through Jesus, um, an open door that God has given us into. calling is with the YMCA. There's a YMCA right downtown Tacoma and God has opened some doors for us to work with a late night program that serves people like 14 to 20 or 21 years old. Um, and we've gotten to go in there and we've got to love on these kids. And, um, I met with the, the leader of that program and he told me he was excited about the Christian and YMCA getting back out, which pumped me up. Right. Um, but when we've gone there and over the course of time, they have this little talk every week, they call it a talk. And, uh, it's like, Four minutes long and they force somebody to do it. Nobody ever wants to do it. Um, and when the leader of this program, who I like, um, gets up, he never proclaims Jesus. He's actually verbally said, whatever faith you choose, may it give you peace. That's somebody who does not understand that whatever faith you choose will not give you peace. It is your choice to choose your faith. But the only faith that will give you peace is faith in Jesus Christ, is faith in Jesus Christ. Now, praise Jesus. This guy asked me to speak at their Thanksgiving dinner, and man. Jesus was the topic, Um, which praise Jesus for that, right? Um, Hopefully, I get to go back. But it's it's huge, right? It's huge. A a practical example. I'm sure there are some teachers in the room, right? I, I come from a family of educators. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My sister was a teacher. My dad was a vice principal, a principal, all those things. So I know the rules. In the public school system, you are not allowed to engage students with the gospel. There are so many rules pushing you away from. Doing that. If you are a, or if you are a teacher, if you are an educator, my heart breaks for you. My heart breaks for you. But do you love Jesus? Do you accept your calling as a witness of the gospel more than your calling to have a job in public school systems? More than your calling to even provide stability and comfort for your family? Are you willing to go to that school? And when students are talking to you, are you willing to live the faith that you claim gives you hope and peace and life? Are you willing to articulate that faith loudly and boldly, whether or not you lose your job. Trust me, I have, I have two one-year-olds that are sick right now. I know what it means to want to provide a stable life for them. I understand that. But you have to know that God is their stability. God is their hope. God is their provider. And I say this to my church and I say this to my family all the time. The worst thing that could happen in my life is that my family loses their life. That is the worst thing I could imagine happening is for my wife to be killed or for my kids to be killed. But if they are killed in the name of Jesus, then I know that they are with Jesus in a far better place. Is that easy for me to say? Absolutely. It's easy for me to say here when I am not living it yet. But there are people across the world and people throughout history past that have done that very thing for the sake of the gospel. They have lost husband. They have lost wife they have lost children i can give you illustration after illustration of people missionaries living on mission for god who have lived what i just said i believe Do you believe that? Are you willing to lay your life down? One more quick illustration of that. I have a friend, Curtis, who's a youth pastor in Snoqualmie, um, a church that we were helping to start up in Snoqualmie, and he substitutes full time in the school system. That school is as closed as any school I've ever heard to the gospel. Long story short, he lives it out and gets in trouble for it. But because of his character, they have not fired him yet. Um, Because of the respect that he's gained, he's still allowed to get back in, even though he's getting reprimanded. Um, And just a couple months ago, one of the most popular kids in school who had been struggling with things behind closed doors committed suicide caught everybody off guard everybody off guard and who did that school system call did they call their counselors did they call their teachers they called curtis a man of faith in Jesus, who substitutes in that school system every single day, who is a rock of faith. And they invited him to speak with the family. They invited them, him, a substitute teacher, into their faculty meeting to talk about how to deal um, with the loss. They invited him to spend days in the gymnasium counseling with students who were looking for answers. A Christ follower. Could he have lost his job in the midst of that? Yes. But our God can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And what God did through Curtis's faithfulness was prepare him for a time when that school was open to the gospel. And God is doing amazing things there. Amazing things there. are Are you preaching the name? I don't know. Are you preaching boldly the name of Jesus? Get comfortable with that. Jesus, Jesus, speak it, say Jesus, because that is what separates us. Um, Not being better than anybody else, but the exclusivity that life and hope can only be found in Jesus. Speaking that name is what is going to break down walls, is what's going to give you hope and perseverance. Speaking the name of Jesus. Are you preaching Jesus? And finally, um, what is the result of living by faith? on mission. Why, what is the result of doing all this? What is the, what is the tangible result of doing that? So, A- acts thirty nine thirty one is kind of the, the tail end of this section of scripture. You don't have to turn that. I can just read it to you. Um, but it's what we read at the very beginning, probably before you were paying much attention. Um, acts nine thirty one says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And hear this part. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Guys, every time you proclaim the name of Jesus, will you see people fall on their faces and accept him as Savior? No. That's something as a church planter I'm learning more and more about every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, 13 through 14 talks about the reality that there is a narrow way. And there is a wide way. And, and we get the promise that few will find the narrow way to life, which is Jesus. That doesn't change as a result of our faithfulness. But if we proclaim the name of Jesus, we will see just like they saw in the first century that even though the majority won't fall on the face of Jesus, a passionate and faith filled, Holy Spirit empowered minority will start to bring a revolution to the world because of the name of Jesus. Do you believe that you can see that here in Redmond? Guys, I am just stupid enough, just ignorant enough to believe that that can happen here. To believe that if you guys will live out the unique calling that God has placed on your life by sharing the explicit purpose that we all have, which is to be witnesses to the resurrection power of Jesus, then by faith we will fulfill our mission and we will scatter, you will scatter amongst the biggest. Businesses and school systems and neighborhoods of Redmond, amongst the entire city of Seattle, amongst the United States of America and beyond, your little church, Meadowbrook, can impact the world if you will simply. Faithfully, when it doesn't look good, when persecution comes, when suffering happens, if you will faithfully witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, you will see vast and extreme multiplication of believers. You will see people proclaiming Jesus as the Christ and you will sit back and know that you had absolutely nothing to do with it. That you just got to be a part of it. And what joy that is when you are rejoicing in eternity. Okay, so don't get discouraged by suffering. Don't think that suffering means, oh, well, God's closing that door. I don't I I don't know where that is in scripture just because it's hard and suffering that that means it's a closed door. God wants you to be a witness for him. Emit suffering. Um, He doesn't want you to simply gather in the comfort of the church. He wants you to scatter for the sake of the call. Um, And if you live that mission, guys, no matter how many people come to faith in Christ, and people will come to faith in Christ, the God of the universe will be glorified. The God of the universe will be exalted and lifted high. And that is the point. That is the point. Let's pray. Father God, I just love you so much, Lord. You, you fire me up and you humble me all at the same time. Um, God, I just pray for this church. I pray for Meadowbrook, Lord, as a people. God, for Meadowbrook as a people, that you would teach them. God, they, they know how to live this out here in Redmond. I don't know. I don't live in Redmond. But I know what our mission is. God. And they know what their mission is. So I just pray that you would empower them by the Holy Spirit to live this out to the ends of the earth, that it wouldn't be theoretical like so often it is after a Sunday morning sermon, but they would start to get together for lunch even today and talk about how they can scatter um, by faith on mission, that they would not let their purpose die. For the comfort of Christianity, Lord. Um, Give them encouragement. Give them power. Give them endurance. Give them suffering, um, God. And give give them your comfort and your peace. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.